Welcome to Vista Made Tours, the podcast. Self-guided tours around Vista, California's fun destinations, local hangouts, historical sites, art scene, and other attractions. We'll guide you every step of the way as you hear directly from the people who help create Vista's dynamic cultural experiences, including fascinating behind-the-scenes backstories about the personalities and places that make Vista so special. In this episode, we introduce you to the Pioneer Beer Trail, a three-mile driving loop that includes three breweries that were among the first to put Vista on the map as the beer capital of San Diego County, and a fourth brewery with iconic ties to the legendary history of early Las Vegas. So let's get going. Of course, make sure you have a designated driver while traveling along the Pioneer Beer Trail. We want everybody to have fun, but also to be safe. And whenever you hear this sound, it's time to pause this podcast and head on into the next destination. Here we go. Set your GPS to 2545 Progress Street in Vista. First stop is Booze Brothers Brewing. To say Booze Brothers started out as a party that got out of hand is an understatement. Owners Donnie Firth, along with his brother Dave, started brewing in their parents' garage to have some fun with friends in 2008. A few years later, with no more garage space left, the brothers ended up starting the company. Donnie and tasting room manager Josh Thompson explain. I moved to Sweden when I was 20, and people there generally start drinking when they're 18. You know, I, I didn't have that coming to age experience. I turned 21 there, but no one cared that I turned 21 there. So I just never picked it up until I came back here, and then all of a sudden all my friends were brewing, and that was super fascinating. So at the time we we first started brewing in the garage, you know, it was on like a small five gallon system, which turned into a 10 gallon system, which turned into a 15 gallon system, which turned into a hundred gallon system. And both Dave and I, we were working pretty menial jobs. I mean, we were cleaning pools and pizza delivery drivers and the like. But as we started brewing, we would take our money that we made from our you know, day jobs, reinvest into the brewery, sell our old equipment, get bigger equipment, and until it kind of scaled into 15 taps out of the wall, the walk-in cooler. And a lot of that was Dave being thrifty because that's what he's great at. Dave is really good at finding a deal. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it turned into a nonstop party, which was fun, but also expensive <laughs> because we couldn't really keep the friends away, nor did we want to because the friends, but um, it just scaled out of proportion and eventually our parents got tired of it. So we opened up Booze Brothers. The name was what people eventually just started referring to, uh, to us as, and that's not something we were looking to be named. Um, that's not something we came up with. It was just what people called us. While Booze Brothers is known for its IPAs like 1-800-TROPICS and Rambling On, several of the original homebrew recipes still remain popular. Numbers-wise, like 1-800-TROPICS is our best-selling through Booze Brothers, followed by Penny Blonde. So that's our, our classic blonde ale. That's been from the start. Originally, we had made a beer, and uh, some people understand this reference, but Lazy Bill Lager, which at that time we didn't have the tank capacity to keep loggers in our tanks for long enough for them to condition properly using lager yeast. So we took that same recipe and then we turned it into an ale by changing the yeast, letting it ferment a little bit warmer with ale yeast. That's kind of how one of the main difference 
differences between an ale and a lager. Ale ferments a, generally a little bit quicker at warmer temperatures, and it gives it, you know, more esters, more fruitiness, a little bit fuller bodied, not quite as crisp and light. And so we did that simply as like out of necessity so we can increase our production because we can't just fill up one of three tanks back then when we had like three tanks and that's that's it. So we turned Lazy Bill into Penny Blonde. Uh, Penny is my brother's oldest daughter's name. So it's named after her and she's also blonde hair. Uh, Green Eyed Amber. Yeah, and this recipe goes back to the garage days. The neighbor who used to be in, in one of the suites over here he came over and we were trying to rename this this beer because it you know had it was like a homebrew beer with a name that wasn't really marketable but he's like you know i i knew uh, amber once with just like the most beautiful green eyes and uh yeah since then we're like oh green-eyed amber the booze brothers location has a huge outdoor patio along with a laid-back tap room with a rustic feel you might sense outside of austin Along with a large tap list, you can also enjoy wood-fire Mediterranean-style pizza from the Pizza Brothers stand on the back patio. You'll truly feel that you're sitting in the middle of a real working brewery. Don't be surprised if a forklift passes by with a load of kegs. And if you really want to nerd out on craft brewing, the Booze Brothers staff are always ready to talk about their latest recipes. Yeah, our Dead of Night Stout. This is a really tasty stout we did with chocolate wheat in there. Nice, savory, really killer stout. And that Big beer is that. shifting um, slightly and rebranded, so it's going to be um, Black Sunrise. Uh, yeah, Black Sunshine. Black Sorry. Sunshine. <laughs> Black Sunrise. Yeah, I guess if you crack one in the morning, call it a sunrise. Playing with new styles of beers prompted Booze Brothers to start a second brand called Owl Farm that goes well beyond traditional hops, barley, and yeast. We came up with Owl Farm in 2018 as just a side brand. The name was inspired by Hunter S. Thompson. He called his farm that he lived at, like his estate. He named it Owl Farm. And our sales rep at the time brought that up. It's like a good name for kind of unique, funky, strange beers. If anyone knows anything about Hunter S. Thompson, he was a, a very, very strange yeah. cat that had um, he was definitely an out-of-the-box thinker. So this brand is called Owl Farm Unique Fermentation because we can um, be a little bit more extreme with it. We do like watermelon teen with actual watermelon. So we'll come here and we'll juice like three totes worth of watermelons. Whole day of chopping off the rinds and, and fresh juice and watermelons. And a lot of the Owl Farm beers are sours, fruited ales, gozas, which is a style of beer. You know, another phrase we've used in the past is like a cocktail-inspired beer. You can add in these ingredients that, you know, you wouldn't find in a lager or an IPA, but it's going to equally be this really awesome beer. And a lot of times it seems to appeal to more wine drinkers. The Big Blue, you know, it has a ton of blueberry flavor to it from a ton of blueberries. <laughs> and it was soured for a long time, so it's far more acidic, more tart, and then hit with vanilla. It almost has more of like a barrel-aged oak, really oaky wine to some degree with far more acidity this one is a year-round one we have it's the mango tahine so that's a goza style beer so not you know so you kind of get a little bit of that saltiness right. you get that tahine which is that mexican spice kind of get that little end note of that and then you know that mango in there it's really nice crisp fur goza really refreshing it stems too from the mexican culture of this the street vendors will have fresh mangoes or fresh fruits and they'll just literally sprinkle on tahine on the fresh fruit 
it was kind of a fun concept to take this like awesome, well-known treat that they have, kind of incorporate that into a beer. Booze Brothers also has committed to reducing the gluten in its beers, so more guests can enjoy the beverages. You know, something that we do to our beer here is we um, gluten reduce it, and that's not, it's not well known. When we send it to the lab, it ends up being below 20 parts per million. But I think a lot of people that are missing the opportunity to, to drink and experiment with different beers are missing out on our beer. It is really cool to hear people come in and we're so glad you have these gluten reduced beers because I love beer and then I couldn't drink beer for so many years. It's, it's fun to see those people out and enjoying our beers. Like there's a workaround, you know. Finally, the Woodshed Concert Venue on site hosts concerts throughout the year. Just another way to enjoy some Booze Brothers beer and a pizza. That's, that's our goal is just make this place a place that we want to hang out and continue to make that better by having, I don't know, we, we have a lot of fun music here, especially yeah. lately. And that, that's a lot of that's on Josh. Josh pulls some great acts. So, I mean, I come from a background of, of touring um, with bands. And so when I came on board here, it was really fun because Dave, Donnie, and I all have very similar uh, musical interests of genres and bands we like. And I'm just, I'm a sucker for a good rock and roll band, you know, it, whether it's on the melancholy side or on the uh, faster rock and roll side of it. You know, I'm, I'm just a, personally, I'm a fan of good rock and roll, Americana. I've got a little bit of country roots in me. I like, like a little that bit old, of psychedelic. Yeah, a little psychedelic rock, you know, just, I love a good show, you know, and well, we have our day jobs and then we put on these shows on Friday night, but you see, you know, a couple hundred people having fun. And one of the things I really enjoy is like, you know, people saying, how did you get, you know, so-and-so band to play here? And that's a cool feeling. It's a, not industrial park Vista. Yeah, not in an industrial park, you know. Okay, ready for more beer exploration? Set your GPS for 2575 Pioneer Avenue in Vista. Vintage Las Vegas awaits about a half mile away at Five Suits Brewing. While Five Suits is relatively new, the beer has a long heritage of being crowned some of the best in the country, as owner Nick Corona explains. Actually, I was never even a craft beer fan until uh, 2012. I had visited Churchill's in San Marcos and tried a beer that changed my whole outlook on beer. And all of a sudden, beer went from something that I was searching for the cheapest cans to where I was calling around for some rare bottles to find and not caring about price. And I started homebrewing the next day. And as I got more and more passionate about it and craft beer, I just decided very quickly that I wanted to provide someone with that same experience. I wanted someone to be able to come in, try our beer, and all of a sudden have their mind blown to what different flavors and uh, characteristics that craft beer has that you know what we've been told is beer doesn't have started entering competitions shortly thereafter and i started winning numerous awards and medals and titles and finally won national home brewer of the year in 2016 san diego home brewer of the year and california state home brewer of the year 2017 and at the behest of my wife she pushed us to continue moving forward with opening a brewery so we were really excited to finally do that and that's uh, our, our background is represented in our brand here. It's Five Suits Brewing. My wife uh, was a showgirl in Las Vegas and that was where we met. I'm a San Diego native, but I moved out to Las Vegas for a while and ended up being a casino manager out there. I knew we wanted to move back to San Diego and raise our family here, so we uh, represented the last name, which is Corona, in our brand. So Five Suits Brewing, we created a fifth suit in the deck of cards and it's the crown. So that's kind of a little bit more about our, our brand and our background and why it's Five Suits Brewing. The Vegas vibe separates Five Suits atmosphere from your typical tap house. At any moment, you feel like Frank Sinatra might walk in. 
I loved vintage Vegas and the neon and my wife being a showgirl, working in entertainment, working on big stages and seeing these great productions. We wanted to kind of have something uh, that would emulate, you know, an old school Vegas nightclub lounge. So when you walk in, you're going to see curtains that line the walls. And these are actually vintage curtains from the 50s and 60s that were pulled down from the Hacienda and the Sands. These same curtains very well could have had the Rat Pack playing in front of them. We were able to source a number of things throughout the tasting room as well from a lot of our friends that live in Las Vegas and they were there way before us. In fact, that's how we got the curtains. Uh, well, there's a taxi sign topper. They used to have a static sign, so we've got a sign there. We've got a picture of our friend being swiped at by a tiger in, the, uh, in one of the restrooms that we have lit up. She was a showgirl as well. Do as much as we can to create a fun, uh, warm environment for people. And the beer that started it all? Yep, still one of the best sellers at Five Suits. The Pit Boss Hefeweizen. This is the beer that I'm probably most well known for throughout the beer community. It was on the only beer so far, as far as I know, uh, since I stopped home brewing to ever win both national homebrew competitions. So there was the national homebrew competition, which is uh, through the American Homebrewers Association, and another national competition called uh, the Masters Championship of Amateur Brewing. Not only did it take gold, but it went head to head against all the other gold medal winning beers and it took the top award for best of show. So it's a classic German Bavarian Hefeweizen. So it's gonna give off a banana aroma and flavors and then you're gonna also have some clove spice that comes through on it. Again, it finishes nice and clean, leaves the palate ready for another sip. And there's no banana in it. Most of our beers don't have any of the puree or fruit or anything like that. They're all driven by different components of the beer itself. So for instance, the Pit Boss Hefeweizen is driven by yeast. So during the process, you're able to uh, get different compounds from the fermentation process. And in the Pit Boss Hefeweizen in particular, you're getting uh, clove, uh, some clove spice and then that banana flavor through the uh, yeast esters. Planet Nectaron, so this is our hazy IPA. It was voted best hazy IPA in San Diego uh, in 2020. It took second place in 2021 again, uh, van, fan poll again. And funny backstory to this was that I had been at a Society of Barley Engineers meeting uh, about three years ago and one of the home brewers there, Andy Gamlin, he had created a beer and it was with a uh, horticultural experimental hop uh, from New Zealand. And I was so taken aback by how powerful and potent this beer was and the hop was from it that I took a picture of the card. Well, after all of this happened with our Planet Nectaron, I found that picture and it ended up being Planet Nectaron when it was in an experimental stages and it still didn't have a name assigned to it. It was basically the Nectaron hop. So it was really cool. You were talking about innovation and how it all starts in home brew clubs and literally that hop was recognized by Andy first, uh, brought to him by some friends from New Zealand who are visiting and here it ends up coming into our beer and we just love it and the fans do too. Five Suits remains connected to home brewing, a community of creative crafters who come up with some amazing recipes. Our 10 Black Fathoms Stout. This is a collaboration with the San Diego Beer News publication. What it allowed home brewers to do was submit their recipes to this database. The database was opened up to a number of selected breweries who decided to participate in this homebrew collaboration. Then you would have those home brewers come over and you would collaborate on the beer and brew it on a large scale. I was trying to incorporate 
incorporate something five suits in there so I threw the 10 on there because the 10 on the roulette wheel is black so 10 black fathoms uh, is the name of the beer but it's it's really an imperial sweet chocolate stout and it is just over the top in chocolate really held the sweetness as high as we could to stay still within style guidelines for say an imperial stout it just came through great and one of the hard things about stouts is whenever you brew a stout it's easy to come across as really roasty and acrid i was so pleased with this recipe because uh, the amount of grains that they used was very uh, cautious in that regard so we didn't pull a lot of roasted characteristics out of it it stayed more on the sweet chocolate side five suits also is distinguished by another factor cornhole yeah the backyard game is taken seriously here had a cornhole group that had lost their uh, location because of COVID and they didn't have anywhere to play. They've been here ever since and the group includes brand new people who just started. It includes some uh, cornhole professionals. Um, they're sponsored and they go out and they win significant amounts of money playing this game. We even have a, a beginner's course the pros put on for free. You get such a large group of people. We've got women, we've got children, you've got older men, you've got all walks of life that come back because realistically, you just need to be able to throw a bag and if you practice enough, you can get pretty good at it. A lot of skill and strategy I never gave it credit for. I would always just throw them in the backyard and not really care about what I was doing. Well, just for my birthday, I wound up going up and playing in a cornhole tournament up in LA. So now I'm hooked on it too. It's a fun game. Of course, opening in the height of the pandemic had its challenges for five suits. But the gamble paid off when the brewery partnered with another winner to offer the Asian-Hispanic flavor mashup of Peruvian food that's hard to find elsewhere in North County. Oh, and the cuisine inspired another beer, of course. We were brand new. We opened in uh, June of 2020 at the peak of COVID, and we didn't really have those relationships with food truck vendors and pop-ups that other breweries and places around town did. So thankfully, my wife had worked at Cocina del Charo here in San Marcos with uh, Randy, who is the owner of Altoque Peruvian Food. Randy was looking for a place to set up his pop-up, and so Randy and his cousins came out and they started providing food for us and it was just fantastic because we instantly had this restaurant quality cu cuisine serving incredible food, incredible food here. And in fact, that was the inspiration for our Altoque Peruvian lager. So we noticed a lot of the uh, Peruvian or Peruvian uh, food fans were coming in, but they didn't really catch on to the craft beer thing as much. So created that Peruvian lager and uh, everyone just absolutely loves it. It's one of our top sellers. Never had Peruvian food? Well, if you've been around SoCal and love all the Mexican and Asian food options, Peruvian will be a natural for you. Here's Randy Heredia, co-owner of Altoque Peruvian Kitchen to explain. Back in the 1890s, there was um, Korean Japanese refugees that came into Peru and they civilized and they created their community. And that's when the Peruvian culture really came together. And that's when we had the Asian influence, they had their ingredients plus our ingredients. It's a mixture of Thai, like Asian, Korean food, and Hispanic. And we made a mixture of dishes. We have our own chaofa, which is going to be a Peruvian style fried rice. We have our tallerine salda, which is a Peruvian style pad thai. And our style of cooking comes off the wok. So we have our soy sauce, our sesame oil, 
And we have a lot of different spices that we use with our cooking. We have our ceviche, which is, you know, your common ceviche with the, the ceviche lime juice. You have the same concept with the, the spice. Our, our style of ceviche is going to be more of a pokey style. So what, what we mean by that is our pieces of fish are going to be a little bit more on the larger side. And then we balance it out with uh, rocota, which is a proven pepper that comes from Peru. And then uh, we balance it out also with evaporated milk. So where to start with Peruvian? Randy has some recommendations. For sure, our number one seller when it comes to appetizers, the yuca frita, which is, and that's going to be a succulent root that's going to be a potato wedge size. We deep fry. It comes with ají, which is a proven green salsa, and then huancaina, which is a proven cheese sauce made with ají amarillo, which is a proven pepper. And we blend it up and it creates a nice little cream sauce and you can use it as dipping sauce. The first time coming in, I recommend doing the arroz chaufa. Arroz chaufa is going to be the proven style fried rice. It's going to be cooked in the wok, so it has a nice little char, nice and crispy. Uh, my favorite protein when it comes to that is going to be the marri tierra which is going to be a combination with ribeye and shrimp. But you also have the option to do chicken, shrimp, or steak, or a combination of all three. And if you're going to do the chaufa, I like pairing that with the taltoque lager, just because it washes down really smooth. I recommend doing the shrimp ceviche. You'll be surprised of how good it is. It comes with uh, a base of lettuce. You have your bowl of sweet potato, cancha, which is going to be fried kernels, and chocolate, which can be proven um, boiled corn. We can't forget the alfajores. So alfajores are going to be proven shortbread cookies and they're homemade. And then we, we fill it with maja blanco, which is going to be proven caramel. And then we top it off with some powdered sugar. It goes well after dinner. If not, it goes well with some, a cup of coffee in the morning. Hey, we're just about halfway on the trail. There's a lot more coming your way. But first, let's briefly check in with the San Diego Brewers Guild Executive Director, Paige McWay Acres. The Guild is based right here in Vista, but represents breweries throughout San Diego County, the capital of craft. The San Diego Brewers Guild started in 1997. So when we very first started, there's 13 breweries in the county. Now we have over 150 locations countywide. And as a nonprofit trade association, we really work to promote and raise awareness of those breweries to the communities within the county and beyond. I think that something within craft beer overall is just the camaraderie and the ability and emphasis on collaboration. And they used each other's expertise to elevate craft beer in our region. And that's how we've become, you know, the capital of craft continues to this day. You know, we see collaborations all the time. We see uh, veteran brewers working with more novice brewers or young breweries that had just opened. And it's really neat to just see that the sharing of knowledge in a way that's just very authentic and genuine. And you want to see your your competitors succeed and win awards and celebrate each other's successes. And I think that's very unique to craft beer in comparison to other industries. By participating in this virtual brewery tour, you're doing the most important thing to help craft beer thrive in San Diego. I think something that we really learned during COVID was just the importance of 
getting people through those brewery doors again. We don't want to pull consumers out of the breweries to come to a large festival where everybody hanging out and drinking and music, like those are really fun. But the thing that really helps the brewery stay in business is obviously if you spend your dollar at that brewery. We were so fortunate to have such a strong community that supported local businesses and supported local breweries so over the last several years. And so we just need to continue to do that for, for the industry. These breweries and these small businesses still need the consumer support and their dollar goes a lot further in the brewery than it does outside of the brewery. All right, let's get back on the trail. Aim your GPS to 2330 La Mirada Drive, number 300. We're traveling about three quarters of a mile to Aztec Brewing, a 100-year-old beer brand that was reborn into one of Vista's earliest craft brewers. Unlike many craft brewers who started as brewing hobbyists, Aztec owners John Webster and Claudia Falk were looking for ways to display their art and graphic design work. And somehow, in 2010, that mission led to owning one of San Diego's original beer brands. The way we got into this whole thing was uh, we're graphic designers and illustrators, and we were looking for a product that we could use our artwork on. We were researching old beer brands, and we found Aztec. And we were not really in, in tune with the craft beer scene that was happening. So we kind of came at this a little backwards. For me personally, I was like, oh, I'm going to make t-shirts and labels. <laughs> well, we really like that Aztec is a historic brand. It's really has, makes it a bigger deal than just us now. And the fact that it did start in Mexico, Mexicali, in 1921. That was during Prohibition, so people could go down there and drink and have a good time and send postcards home saying, hey, we're down here partying up and having a cerveza. So, and then when Prohibition ended, they obviously knew because they had built a huge city block in South San Diego for the brewery. It was the third largest brewery west of the Rocky Mountains, and they started in 1921, so here it was, 2021, their 100th anniversary, and it was also our 10th anniversary, so we did a big deal with that. So we did some more historic beers from the 1930s, or retro beers, and we've done that off and on anyways. And uh, some of them, you know, it's, again, a connection to the past. It makes it a little more real what was going on in the brew scene way back then. They ended up contract brewing from another, for another company back east that had the same initials, ABC. So that was a smooth transition. That company bought them out. And then the brand was retired in like 1953 and just sat there and from pre-Prohibition Day photos and postcards to contemporary illustrations commemorating new beer styles, Aztec is literally a work of art when you go inside. The rustic bar and poster-sized beer labels from past brews also provide a nod to Aztec's Mexican roots. And the constant reinvention of beers, thanks to master brewer Paul Naylor, recalls Aztec's earlier times as a major beer producer as well as reflecting the brewery's current small batch philosophy. Aztec actually made 40 different styles of beers during their, their run. They did a lot of lagers, Mexican, American, European style lagers. 
their last brewer, when they sold out, he went down to Mexico and helped start the Tecate Brewing Company. The beers, some of them we tried to lean towards that beginning of Mexican style, so we had some Mexican style lagers, and then, you know, modern day things, we have a lot of IPAs, and, and you know, we like our brewer to have that opportunity to ex experiment, have fun, and we've been really lucky. We had Paul Naylor come in as our brewer just about when we had our first anniversary and he's been with us since then and he's a wonderful brewer. He has a, a really good palate because he worked in the restaurant industry for 20 years before he started working with us. I like that we have a really, I think, broad range of beers from we go all the way up to an imperial stout that's like pretty big or we have this triple IPA we make every year and it's just like called kitchen sink so you know it's like he throws in all the little bits of pop so we have a few that are regulars that we try to keep on tap all the time but we have a lot of turnover in what we make so we've started a series of Aztec IPAs like you make a small batch and can a small batch and it's a limited edition you can only get it and then it's gone we're never gonna make it again unless we hit something that's just like stellar that we really need to keep making but it's fun to have have a constant turnover and something new and because I'm a graphic designer it's a blast I love it and I can do labels and I've got a label printer now so I can do it on demand I can do like low volume we're kind of envisioning is having more unique things that you can only get at Aztec you actually have to drive up from San Diego you're not going to be able to get it at BevMo or we're kind of like Costco. If you don't get it while it's here, it may not be here next time. From day one, Aztec also has been a family gathering spot for musicians and audiences seeking out new talent around San Diego. Tristan, our son, was really helpful in establishing the music and Vista all together. He's a musician, so music is important to him, and he knew people like to have music with their beer. So he um, got that started with an open mic, which we started in the back corner over here. And over time, he's like, okay, we got to do more stuff. We need to build a stage. So we built a stage. We like musicians to be comfortable here because we all are we all do play musical instruments yes i'm a pleasantly mediocre guitar player <laughs> we lean towards rock and roll because that's the age we grew up in and we do find as younger people also learn on that and they play and so but we have you know we do reggae we, we have a blues jam because there's people that love blues and then we have jazz on certain Sundays of the month. Our open mic is a really great place for us to kind of tentatively audition bands. So we've had a lot of bands that have come and this is the first place they've really gotten up and played and gotten paid for playing. And, and I love the open mic night because it's like a complete variety. There's almost never a gong show moment. It's almost always amazing stuff. And yeah, there's amazing, from talented individual singer-songwriters up to full bands. I like that too. That because it's a tasting room, you can have all ages of people in here as well. And we get kids as young as like six getting up and playing. And we had like a a guy that was about 89. That was a retired Marine that. Uh, did country songs that he'd written himself, and he was a hoot. He was great. After more than 10 years, Aztec has become a happy accident that has brought a fun community together. We were never involved in this type of business before. I never went to a bar. 
I mean, very rarely. I'd meet a client at a bar uh, and have a beer, but it, I, that was not my thing. And uh, working behind the bar, it's like, wow, this is kind of cool. You get to hang out with people. And it's like, I never have to have a party at my house again. You know? <laughs> it's uh, mostly, they're great people. You get to meet all different kinds of people. You get to hear their stories. Yeah. And then you share some of ours. And I think Aztec just has so many little bits of fun information connected with it, plus what we've added from now, that it it makes it a, a lot of fun to have a conversation with people. All righty, we're on the last leg of the Pioneer Beer Trail. Set your course to 980 Park Center Drive in Vista, about a 10 minute drive. Our next stop is the Belching Beaver 980 Pub, where co-owners Tom Vogel, Dave Mobley, and Troy Smith first set up shop for what has grown into the ninth largest brewery in California. Here's Tom to explain. We started in October 2012 is when we actually opened our doors. And it came from my business partner and I used to make wine together. And I met him in these wine classes we were taking at a local college. And I told him I was gonna open a brewery And I just happened to be playing poker with a guy who was a brewer for Coronado. In fact, his family owns Coronado Brewing. And uh, I just asked him, like, hey, do you want to come with us if we open a brewery? And he's like, hell yeah, I'll do it. And we gave him part of the company. So that's how the three of us got together. And we opened originally at 980 Park Center Drive over there in Vista. That's our first location. And that's super dear to our hearts because that was our baby. And that's the first one we, we started. And we opened there with a 15-barrel fermenter and five tanks. And now we're, I think, the ninth largest in California. And we've gone from four to 173 employees in less than 10 years. And the thing I like about that location is we have a huge patio on the outside that has all these Adirondack chairs around fire pits. And so you can kick back like in your, your own backyard, have a pint of beer, relax with the fire going at night. It's like just having a great time and that's what it's all about right very casual very slow experience and we've got all the beer there for you maybe you know someone in your group doesn't like beer or doesn't like craft beer and now we have wine for them so it always works out we even have s'mores so the kids can go out by the fireplace and make their own s'mores so that's what that whole concept was about was bringing the whole family in so you can have a good time it's basically a lot of finger food but now we're, we're developing bigger salads like we have at our other locations because they, they've done well so we're constantly trying to change that menu constantly trying to do other things for it wood fire pizza which is out on the patio and when we added the food the restaurant all these other items there's a, a lot of people that live in that area too and so they when they realized that place was there they just started coming in and enjoying themselves and not having to get in all the traffic and not having to go to the busier areas that's something that's kind of more local to them you don't see this from the side of the street i mean you got to find it but so far uh, a lot of people found it so we're pretty happy about that and then on the weekends there's nobody around and so that's its own little private exclusive spot to the to the people in the area and they don't have to go through traffic or anything else like i said it's just such a great little experience for that reason Belching Beaver's unlikely combo of peanut butter and a milk stout beer has gained celebrity status in the craft world. And now, a decade later, the beer remains a top seller. The beer that got us on the map is a beer that Troy came up with. It's a peanut butter milk stout beer. 
almost everybody knows us by that beer. Uh, when we first got together, Troy had said, no one in San Diego is doing a milk stout. Come out with that beer and it's delicious. And then we started adding things to it. We added pumpkin spice to it, so it's a good pumpkin beer. We added vanilla to it, vanilla with spices. We just added things to it to see how it would turn out to have kind of variety at the taps. One day he talked to Mother Earth and they had made a peanut butter beer and he asked Dan Love from Mother Earth, hey, where'd you get that peanut butter stuff? We want to try that. So he told him where. And so he put that peanut butter in it and it just was amazing. It just, that beer is a, a delicate, it's not a heavy drinking beer, it's more of a lighter beer. And when we added a peanut butter to it, that combination for some reason over a lot of the other people that have tried it just took off. And so we really got behind that brand. So beyond the peanut butter milk stout, we have a honey beer, which is a lighter beer, and we actually use a locally grown processed honey. But while peanut butter milk stout continues to have a loyal fan base, Belching Beaver turned up the volume in a collaboration with the heavy metal band, The Deftones. Well, one of the other things that makes us unique is we have a great collaboration with the Deftones, which is a heavy metal band. Working with them for five years now, done many collaborations with them, and it's just always really cool to do. They wanted something that they had, the ability to tweak it, to put in their thoughts, to come up with the ingredients that they wanted. They wanted to help with the recipe. And so when we put that together, it just really did really well. And we still, our first beer was Phantom Bride, and it's either a number one or number two seller depending upon um, peanut butter milk stout. My love in beer is Phantom Bride. And even if it wasn't ours, I, I love that beer. We can't can it until I taste it. It used to be anybody, yeah, it's fine. And then recently I'm like, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And so now I'm like, okay, I want to taste that before it goes out. Why? Because it's my favorite. I'm obsessed with that beer. So I drink it more than anybody else. So I'm like, okay, I want to taste that beer before it goes out. So we've been doing that lately. Belching Beaver continues to grow with other San Diego locations and exports to other countries, while remaining true to its two Vista locations, including its award-winning Tavern and Grill restaurant in downtown. One's more casual, one's more kind of your neighborhood place, where, uh, and that would be 980, where Tavern is more, you can, you can come in here casually or you can go upscale. We have beers going for five, six bucks and wine going for 450 a bottle. So whatever experience you want to have, you can have here at Tavern as well. And we push for that. We want everybody just to have a good time. When we started in San Diego, there were 77 other breweries. Now I think there's 180, maybe 200 other breweries then. We kind of feel like we've been around a while. Okay, okay, we know you're wondering where Belching Beaver's name came from. Well, here's the backstory. Uh, Belching Beaver comes from an old buddy of mine, and uh, he helped me out in Europe, and there was a Belching Beaver bar in a university there, and it was kind of a school bar, like out here we had at San Diego State, it has its own little bar, well that's what they had, it was called Belching Beaver. thought the name was really funny, and I was over his house one day, and I said, I'm going to open a brewery, I just don't know what to name it. He gave me that name, and my wife and his wife were laughing like crazy, of all the beers we'd come up with, the names we'd come up with none we could ever use. And they were laughing so much, I thought, this name is really fun. And if we make really good beer, like we make sure we make really, really excellent beer, it'll be a great brand and it'll take off. But if we make any mistakes, it's over. And we'll be the laughing stock of the industry. So we really tried hard to make sure the beers were spot on before we ever opened a tank and ever served a pint. That, that was like super important then and it's just like it is right now. And we just thought like, Let's get together, let's have fun, let's not get too serious, and let's make really great beer and just enjoy ourselves. And that's what we did. And on its own, it just kind of grew. So there you have it. You've made it around Vista's Pioneer Beer Trail. 
We hope you enjoyed this tour and, of course, the beer and food. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Vista Made Tours. This podcast series is brought to you by the City of Vista. Thanks to all the businesses and contributors who participated in the creation of this episode. The show was narrated by yours truly, Jeff Spanier, host of I Like Beer, the podcast. Our executive producer is Zeke Corley from A Different Day Radio. Music and sound design was provided by James Russell. Final audio production was led by Star Fox Media. Scriptwriter and co-producer is Bill Hornan of Humble Pie Communications. Finally, a special thanks to the City of Vista Economic Development for assistance throughout this project. 